It's SAC basketball talk throughout this show. We're going to have Chris Johnson, Homestead Spartans, join us in just a couple minutes. Marty Beasley, Carol Chargers will join us about 6.15, and then we'll go over every single scenario of the SAC boys here with just one game left. Uh, tomorrow night, four teams tied atop the standings at 6-2. and two. Before we get to our first guest, D.C. Hendricks, how are you, sir? Doing all right, Justin. Always Hanging catch you off guard. A little bit. I like yeah. it, though. Keeps me yeah. on my toes a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Doing like 20 things at once. Yes, sir. Uh, you we're are. We're back with the coaches show. We are. And, and no girls basketball to talk about. Yeah, First no. time since 2007 that not a single area team has advanced to the semi-state round. So now we got boys. Focus on the boys. As we will have the draw on Sunday. That's right. Coming up 3 o'clock. That's right. They'll drag 10 minutes of information into two hours, <laughs> as they always do. <laughs> And, uh, and we'll, yeah, it's, it's, it's brutal. So uh, we will have that to talk about next week. Final week of the regular season for the boys coming up next week. But uh, a lot to settle in the SAC. And let's get right to it. We're going to break it down with Coach Chris Johnson, Homestead Spartans, who joins us right now on the line. Coach, how are you? Doing well, Justin, D.C. Hope everything is going well for you guys. Hey, man, we're just surviving a February here. And you, uh, as you reminded me earlier, you're a February staple on the show. Usually you join us on Valentine's Day, so I'm sorry to break up the tradition. Oh, I can't tell you how disappointed I was. Uh, <laughs> last Thursday, my wife went to go out for the uh, Valentine's meal like we usually do, and I said, I'm not going this year because Justin is going to be calling me, and you stood me up. Very disappointed. And I'm sure she totally understood, too. Oh, wow. She did. <laughs> and, 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 yeah, she did. She said, no problem, uh, because usually, you know, every Thursday before Thanksgiving, or Thanksgiving, Valentine's Day, you always call me, and, and she was all excited for it. But, <laughs> and, you know, it's one of those things. When uh, we were struggling, we weren't probably in it at that time, because, um, you know, the, the Lures-Snyder game was still to be played, and we were out of it until, you know, Lures... Uh, did what they had to do and, and beat Snyder. So now all of a sudden, all four of us are back in it again. Yeah, and, and what a way to end the season going into to tomorrow night with a myriad of scenarios. And do you, first off, you know, we're the SAC, the only local conference that breaks ties if they can. Uh, do you like that? Do you like that approach or would you like to see it shared regardless of who ties atop the conference? I, I personally don't mind it. I mean, uh, you know, I, I would rather if it's head to head. Then break the tie with the team that won versus the head-to-head. So I, I don't mind it whatsoever. I know other coaches may not like it, but uh, I don't mind it. Coach, let's look over the last couple of weeks. You guys uh, had that three-game losing streak, but against good teams at Lawrence North, obviously a tremendous team. Uh, that Northrop game that kind of maybe caught some people off guard, uh, and then the Hamilton Southeastern game. But you bounced back last week. A pair of road wins against uh, conference opponents in Wayne and Concordia. Uh, thirteen and seven all, overall, six and two in the conference. Where do you feel you guys are at now, heading into Friday? Well, uh, you know, you never want to make excuses, um, but we were counting on this year, and, and it's with anybody. You know, injuries hurt anybody that's out there. You know, look at Northrop at the beginning of the year without Pettis. I think they started one and six since then. Uh, they've uh, rolled together some some good games with you know the player. You know, with us this year, uh, ever since the second half of the Snyder game, we've been without our point guard and Zach Kruger with a, a bad back. So um, he's been able to start practice last week. He's practiced now, uh, you know, for about six or seven days. 
and uh, hopefully he is good tomorrow, and we will get everybody back to where we can get in some sort of stability with uh, what we were expecting at the beginning of the year uh, when the season started. When you take not only a starter out of the lineup, but the point guard out of the lineup, just how difficult is that for you? Well, we've been very fortunate, I would say, probably over the last 10 or so years having a a, a big-time point guard. And I still think in any level you need a point guard to not only distribute, to run the plays, to get us moving, to get us rolling, to, to make shots. I mean, here's a young man that was averaging 14 or so a game last year for us that ran our offense, that has a deadly pull-up jump shot. And uh, I'm going to be honest with you, you know, for nine games we missed that. But other kids stepped up, and that's what you expect kids to do. And uh, now he's back, and we can see what we can do with him and get ourselves in, in some sort of flow towards the end of the year when the uh, the big season starts, which is the end of the year. And you got tomorrow's big game against Carroll and also a big one next Friday against Norwell when the Knights come in, a team that's been very good this year under Coach McBride. But, uh, you know, last week, given a, a couple pivotal wins on the road, and that can be difficult when your point guard is out. But I think, uh, as you mentioned earlier, you've had some guys step up. So who are some of those guys that you had to rely on a little bit more than you anticipated? Well, we had to rely on a lot of people. But, you know, the Rodden Bush, um, Quinn Harmon, uh, Caleb Colpine, those are all guys that uh, came in and gave us a lot of good minutes, uh, hit open shots when they needed to. So, uh, you know, I'm very proud of our kids where they hung in there with a little bit of adversity. And, again, I'm sure every team is going through that. We've been fortunate, like I said, though, over you know, a, a lot of years where we've not had the injury bug or the, or the sickness. and um, Or if we did get sick or we did get hurt, it, it wasn't a major ordeal because uh, they were able then to play in the game. Um, but, you know, we've had some significant issues as far as with some sickness and with some uh, – with the injury with Zach, but again, other kids step up. That's the reason why it's called a team, and uh, you expect those kids to do what they need to do to get those minutes and to keep us rolling. One guy that's been a constant, of course, Lou Goody, the junior. What have you seen out of his game this year that has elevated him from a year ago? Well, I mean, he continues to get himself stronger, get himself better. Uh, you know, I still keep on telling him that we're trying to make a full um, you know, player out of him. You know, just like with and I gave an example with Swanigan today to him. You know, Swanigan, we could have very easily just said, you're going to sit here at the block and we're going to throw it into you and you're going to make layups. But again, I think my job is to try to, to make a, uh, a a total player out of everybody to where he's working on his inside-out game, and that's what we're trying to get him to understand, you know, the importance with his size and, and to get some mismatches to where we can get him inside to uh, make some easy buckets. I still think... Uh, in the game when the shots aren't falling and they, we've been struggling from the outside we need to get some easy buckets and we have some size with length with Simmons and uh, Grimsfelder and Goody that we need to take advantage of that and try to get ourselves an inside out type of game to where hopefully then our, our shots are falling a lot better uh, coming from the inside to the out rather than trying to go just around the perimeter to take those shots. Coach Chris Johnson, Homestead Spartans, joining us here on the High School Coaches Show. Coach, I want to take you back about a month at Blackhawk Christian. It was a great atmosphere there. So a who's who of Division One coaches there right behind the scores table. You've coached in a lot of huge games, a lot of big environments, but in terms of the uh, intensity of that one, in terms of the uh, 
uh, in terms of the small locale that was really loud and really excited. I mean, that ranked a high up for me, but I wanted to see just where it ranked for you. No, I, I totally agree. I mean, it was a fun atmosphere. Uh, a lot of good players that were on the court. Um, you know, anytime you get a, a, you know those big-time coaches, I think the players want to shine, and I thought her kids played extremely well. Um, you know, I was probably one of the better games we played all year, and then all of a sudden then we, we came to the Snyder game. I think we were up four at the end of the first half, and then right away started the second half is when Zach went down, and, and since then we've uh, tried to have to, to, to scrap and try to figure out where we can put people uh, to put ourselves in the best possible position to be successful. Um, but, you know, if we can get our guys rolling like we did that night against the Blackwell Christian team, I think, uh, you know, I like our chances as far as being able to uh, to go far. But, again, like I've always said, you, you've got to be good. You've got to be lucky. The ball's got to bounce your way. You've got to do the little things. You've got to make the free throws. You've got to cut down on the turnovers. you got to make sure that we're blocking out um, at all times and not giving teams second and third opportunities. And that's something that, you know, we struggled with uh, this year as far as doing those little things to get us over the hump when the games were close. Um, you know, example, Concordia able to stay in at the whole first half. I think they made two uh, two-point baskets for the entire game. But in the first half, somebody was saying they had like 18 of their 21 points came from uh, missed shots to where – kick out for another three for a make. So those are things we've got to make sure we clean up. We have two weeks to to get that taken care of because if you mess up, you know, in in two more weeks once the sectional starts, the season could end very quickly for you. Coach, you you have a big one obviously tomorrow against Carroll and you've you've faced Coach Beasley so many times and you guys it's always a chess match with you two. Uh, do you feel like okay? I know Marty well enough that to expect ABC, or are you still saying, "Hey, man, I got to be on my toes," just like I'm sure he is on what uh, Carol's going to bring and what uh, you're going to bring in that game tomorrow? Well, you always got to be on your toes. He's uh, you know one of the better coaches around, um, not only in the area but the state. And I got a lot of respect for him. I got so much respect for him that we met each other at the Kiss concert this past Sunday. <laughs> uh, with, uh, he brought his wife. I brought my wife and. Uh, it was fun to sit down with him a little bit before the concert started to talk a little bit. But, you know, win or lose, we're, we're always going to be good friends. And, um, uh, again, like I said, I got a lot of respect for what he does with his program. No matter what type of players he has, he's always put himself in a position to be successful. Coach, I know you're focused on tomorrow and next week, but in terms of the sectional, what are some of the things that you're focused on with this group that you want to see over the final two games to feel like you're in a good spot heading into the postseason? About to where we're clicking and to get that stability to get where we know where everybody's going to be. Um, you know, without Zach, we tried just to run an offense without putting in sets and that type of stuff. Um, with Zach, with him leading uh, the way, we threw some, some wrinkles into uh, this week. And to where we can see if we can get some inside out type of uh, basketball. Um, so, you know, we're looking to just to get everybody healthy, to get everybody on track, to get everybody believing in one another and trusting one another. And that's what we want to do over these next, well, you know, starting tomorrow and I've got another about a week and a half before that sectional starts. But to see what we can do. Um, but, you know, we have a tough task ahead of us tomorrow. And a very good Carroll ball club, and then we close out with Norwell, who's eighteen, nineteen, and one, something like that. Um, 
So these next two games are critical to see where we stand. Coach, you, you never want to lose a senior to injury like Zach Kruger, but in looking ahead to maybe next year, did you identify some things with some of the guys that stepped up for him that make you maybe feel more comfortable with that point guard position knowing that Zach's a senior? Well, that's the, the key. I mean, you're going to have to be able to find a point guard and somebody that can really – and, again, I don't know if you're ever going to find and replace somebody like him. We've been fortunate, like I said, uh, from, from Gamble to Geist, uh, as a kudo to um, – to Kruger, uh, we've been fortunate as a coaching staff to be able to see that high-caliber type of player at the point guard position. So, you know, the next person is going to step up, whoever that may be, but, you know, they'll have, you know, as soon as the season's over, about eight, nine months or so to get prepared and, and to be able to step up into that role and see what they can do. Coach, I got I got to ask you about our Cincinnati Reds, man. We got to feel pretty good at this point. We always are, right, are optimistic. In February, but maybe we have a reason to be optimistic for once. I am looking forward to it. I think this is the year. I know there's a lot of naysayers out there, but I'm looking forward to this year with some of the acquisitions that we brought in. We'll we'll see, but again, they've got to make sure we stay free and healthy, and and, uh, hopefully things are clicking for us and we can bring home another uh, championship for the Cincinnati Reds. Let's hope so. Coach, always a pleasure, my man. Thanks a lot. Good luck tomorrow. It'll be a fun one out at Homestead. Rivalry game with some serious SAC title implications. We'll uh, see you tomorrow out there. Hey, I appreciate it. Thanks, Justin. Thanks, DC. We'll talk to you. All right, that was Coach Chris Johnson, Homestead Spartans, joining us here to kick off the high school coaches show and a myriad of scenarios uh, for tomorrow's uh, SAC schedule. Again, Lures, Snyder, Carroll, Homestead, all tied at 6-2. and two atop the conference now we break ties in the sac so if we can break a tie and crown one champion we will uh if we can't we'll have uh at least a three-way tie there's one way that that happens tomorrow so the games of ramification tomorrow and we'll break this down a little bit more later in the show but we have lures at Northside, and on paper that's an easy win for bishop lures Northside has won a single game this year they've been competitive but uh they they lack uh, a lot in terms of confidence and a lot in terms of talent in able to give Bishop Lures a basketball game tomorrow. So if we had to say right now we feel Bishop Lures is in a good spot to get a win at last place Northside tomorrow. We have Snyder at Southside. Snyder, you have to feel, will be able to bounce back uh, after that loss to Bishop Lures last Friday. But you cannot overlook a Southside team that beat Bishop Lures last week. So Southside, a little bit sneaky, um, could get a win and disrupt things. Uh, Snyder needs a win, of course. And then you have, of course, Carroll Homestead. Um, the, the scenario that looks like, I don't want to say the most likely scenario, but the three-way tie for the championship, there's only one way we get that. And that's if Lures beats Northside, Snyder beats Southside, and Homestead beats Carroll. They will all share the th- there will be a three way tie for the championship between Homestead Snyder and Bishop Lewis because they're all one and one against each other. There's all different kind of scenarios where we can have outright champions. Carroll, Homestead, Snyder, and Lewis can all win the championship outright, but they need certain things to go right. We'll break that more down later on in the show. But we're going to step out, come back. The other side of the Carroll Homestead rivalry will join us when we come back. Coach Marty Beasley, Carroll Chargers. You're listening to the High School Coaches Show, ESPN Radio 1380, 100.9 FM. ESPN Radio 1380 and 100.9 FM.
Welcome back, everyone, to the High School Coaches Show. I'm Justin Kenny, D.C. Hendricks here producing here to about 642, if we're being exact. We'll give way to Brett Rump live from the Gates Center pregame show for the Mastodons hosting Omaha tonight, 645 pregame, 7 o'clock tip as the Mastodons try to get a Summit League win out at the Gates Center tomorrow night. Brett Rump will be at a rivalry game. Homestead, Carroll, 725 is when coverage will start here on ESPN Radio 1380, 100.9 FM from Homestead. Following the game, you can catch D.C. Hendricks himself and Brett Rump with the postgame show from the Pizza Hut. And they'll be there to what, D.C., 1030? 1030. Uh, hit him up, and you'll be at the, which one? The Coventry Pizza Hut. Coventry Pizza Hut. See, I said Coventry last week, and I was wrong, so yeah. I was afraid to say exactly where you're going to be at. So, D.C. Hendricks out at the Coventry Pizza Hut tomorrow following Carroll and Homestead. We talked to Chris Johnson in the first segment of the show to get the Homestead side of the story going in tomorrow. Let's get the other side as head coach of the Carroll Chargers, Marty Beasley, joins us on the line right now. Coach, how are you? Doing great. Yourself? Uh, hanging in, Coach, and uh, here we are heading into the final game of the uh, regular season, the SAC, and ho-hum, you guys and, and Homestead uh, in the mix for an SAC championship. It's, it's pretty much an every-year occurrence at this point. Well, uh, we're really not in the mix. You might as well kiss us goodbye. <laughs> I mean, so we, we blew our chance. We, um, but they, they still have a chance, which is good. I mean, good for them. I'll say you need a lot of help, I guess, going in tomorrow. We'll say that. Uh, probably a better chance to win the lottery. I'm guessing, <laughs> uh, Coach, let's talk about the last couple of weeks. I mean, you, you mentioned that Snyder game, the Lures game. Guys bounced back uh, a win at Shenandoah, which I think people are overlooking. That's a really good Shenandoah team going on the road. And then you get the win over North and Northrop, and then a a tough game at Carmel. We know how good Carmel is, and battling them in a game last weekend. So, where do you feel your guys are at heading into the final three games of the regular season? Uh, Shenandoah game was interesting. I mean, that was a quick, quick schedule because we both lost a game, and um, they're really good. I mean, they they, they for a two A school, they are really good. They have. Uh, you know, five really good players that that can shoot it and drive it, and um, they're very physical. I, I was very impressed with our guys going down there and and competing with very little uh, preparation time. And I think we just kind of uh, you know willed ourselves to win that game. Uh, Northrop, they're 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 very good. They they were playing really well, and we got we got kind of fortunate. We had a nice little run there to kind of give us a lead in the first half, and then we kind of just maintained that the rest of the way out. Uh, Carmel was, um, we played really poorly the first quarter and was down 18 to 5 at the quarter. They scored the first two points of the second quarter. They're up 20 to 5. Then we started locking in and over the next two periods, we outscored them 19 to 4. And that was the game. And then Jalen went down at the end of the fourth quarter. So he's out for two plus weeks. We hope not, not more, but, um, it was a, with a knee injury, so that kind of hurt us in the fourth quarter, but we still nip and tuck the whole way. Had a chance to take the lead and didn't get it done, and then as a one-possession game the rest of the way out. But I thought our kids responded really well. Second, third, and fourth quarter played really well. So we just got to find a way to you know play for 32 minutes. We feel like we just kind of have a little lapse there, about four or five minutes every now and then, and it kind of hurts us. Coach, looking at your group, you mentioned Jalen Jackson, the sophomore that's leading you in scoring, but uh, you look at the the junior class that has been so good for you, and, and Ray's been good as one of the few seniors that are getting significant playing time for you as well. But underclassmen getting what you want from a group that you're going to count or rely a lot on next year as well. 
Yeah, I really like our mix. I mean, we got a number of guys who can who can do a lot of things with the basketball. But I tell you, the key to those guys is they're very unselfish. I mean, they they move that they they pass the ball and move the ball better than any team I've had in a long time. And I just think their unselfishness and their desire to just to get a good shot for us and to compete has been really good. And I've I really enjoyed this group coaching them. I think that they have. You know, surprise a lot of people with what they can do and so forth. We don't really have a so-called star, which is which is great. Um, you know, there's no egos there. So I'm very impressed with, with our, our guys, what they've done. You look at Jalen Jackson and what he's done as a sophomore and, and his development. What have you liked out of his game this year? Well, I, I think Jalen's very talented. Um, he's strong. I mean, he rebounds the ball so well for a guard. He's got a nose for the basketball. He finishes around the rim really well. Um, you know, he's still a sophomore. He makes some mistakes, but I think he, he's learning to compete harder. He's learning to, um, you know, be, be more, um, you know, uh, receptive to, to what he's got to do to get better. Um, I, I think that uh, he's, he's only going to get better because I think he's got to drive to get better. Hopefully, again, his knee heals okay and he's able to go back to being a kid and doing the things he wants to on the court. But um, I, I've been very impressed with this, his, his willingness to, to um, you know, compete this year at a high level. Um, you know, and he makes a mistake, he gets down himself, but he, he's doing a better job of releasing and refocusing and get back into it and competing and so forth. And I think that you know, the, the teammates that he has around him have, have helped him a lot in that regards, too. Coach, somebody that's impressed me this year, Ryan Preston, he was a guy that broke onto the scene last year, hit some clutch shots at key moments for you. He's hitting 46% from range. He hits 81% from the free throw line. A little bit on Ryan Preston, one of your uh, top juniors. Well, you know, Ryan's a kid, and I think a lot of kids out there, you know, are like this. When he's in middle school, he didn't get to play very much. He played behind a couple of guys who chose to leave our system, and they're playing elsewhere now, and, you know, Ryan didn't get to play much. Uh, but I tell you what Ryan has is a drive. He's got a motor. He's got um, – you never have to tell Ryan to play harder. Uh, you, you, he just – he competes. And I think that, you know, a kid who, who – you know, a lot of kids go through middle school or whatever. They don't get a play like they want to or so forth. They kind of, you know, well, they give up. And Ryan's the other way. He just kept pushing himself harder and harder and, and working to make himself into a really good high school player who's got a chance probably to play in college somewhere in a couple of years. I just think that his drive, his motor, his, his competitiveness, I mean, he'll, he'll put his nose into, you know, a loose ball. He'll go get it. He'll take charges. He uh, guards anybody on the court. Uh, those are the kind of kids you want to coach. You want to coach guys who are, you know, no maintenance, who would just want to play hard without an ego. Those are the kids that's going to get better and, and win games for you. Coach Marty Beasley, Carroll Chargers, joining us here on the High School Coaches Show. Coach, you sit 15 and four, 15 plus wins in six of the last seven years. It's something when when all the pundits want to debate on who's going to be where at the SAC. It doesn't matter who Carroll loses or who they have coming back. We feel we can pencil you in towards the top and for 15 wins. Uh, you take us behind the scenes and just how difficult it is for that consistency because we take it for granted when we look at Carroll under Marty Beasley. We take it for granted with Homestead under Chris Johnson. But how difficult is it truly to have the consistent success that you've had year after year? Uh, very difficult. I mean, again, we're, you know, we are fortunate, Chris and I are fortunate that we have, you know, our own system. And I do stuff with kindergarten all the way through seniors. Um, you know, my staff and I, we are out there, you know, trying to develop our, our program, trying to develop our players. And, you know, we, we you know, I, I'm not 
I, I don't think that you can develop a program by just going to AAU events and, you know, and trying to get kids to come to your school. That, that sure. to me, is not the way to develop the program. I want kids who want to believe in Carroll, who want to play for Carroll. Uh, our kids worked our camps. They're around our younger kids all the time. We want our younger guys to idolize those kids and want to put the Carroll jersey on sometime. Uh, but, you know, with today's date, you know, the way people do things, you know, you don't know what kids you're going to get. I mean, I look at our eighth graders right now at Carroll Middle School Maple Creek. I hope we get them all, but uh, we may not. And we got to deal with that when that time comes and so forth. But I, I do know this, the guys that are going to come are going to, you know, work hard because they're going to watch our seniors and our juniors and so forth, sophomores work hard, and they're going to develop into uh, our program, and we're going to find ways to, you know, make them successful but you got to have the right attitude with that. I mean, as a player, you got, you have to. You can't go in and say, "I'm going to be the star. I'm going to be the best player. I'm going to do all this here," because it doesn't work that way. Um, you you have you have to work your way into being a, a, a great teammate first and having no ego. I mean, J- Jalen Jackson is a perfect example of that. I mean, he played JV as a freshman. Most kids would be bolting out of the place because they didn't get to play varsity as a freshman. Sure. Jalen, Jalen and his mom have a great understanding of what it takes to become a really good basketball player and, and to be able to go on the next level. Great understanding. They have, there's lessons you've got to learn, you've got to develop, and so forth. You just can't throw some kids in the fire and have them just fail over and over and over. They're going to lose confidence. Jalen played JV. He got a little bit of you know, taste of varsity a little bit towards the end of last year, did very well. We knew that his development on JV, making mistakes on JV that didn't cost the varsity wins and losses, you know, losses and so forth, was going to be better for him this year because now he understands our program, what he's got to do as a player to help us win. And he's done a great job of that. He, he gets that. Ryan Preston, same way. Ryan Preston played freshman basketball for us. Sam Stricker played freshman basketball for us. Ray Vollmer played freshman basketball for us. A lot of kids got to play varsity as a freshman and that is wrong. Their bodies aren't developed yet. Their minds aren't developed yet. They don't understand the in total what goes into being a varsity basketball player. They need to learn growing up how to do those things. And we're fortunate that we have guys who come and they compete and they develop and they, they grow into the role and they want to win for Carroll. Big game coming up tomorrow, Carroll and Homestead. A total of 720 victories on the sidelines tomorrow between Marty Beasley and Chris Johnson. And also we learned from Chris Johnson both – Big Kiss fans as they ran into each other. My question is, which of you and Chris had more Kiss makeup on at the concert? Well, first of all, don't we don't let him fool you. He's more of a Kiss fan than I am. We had nothing to do. <laughs> he called me up. That's what we were doing that night, and said, "Well, we're going to go." So we decided to go. Now we had much better seats than he had. <laughs> okay, let me tell you right now. But he he would probably be more willing to put makeup on than I would. I, I, I think that. You know. Uh, that's good stuff. Coach, always a pleasure. Thanks a lot for joining us. Good luck tomorrow. Good luck over the final three games heading into the postseason. Hey, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Yeah, was Coach Marty Beasley, Carroll Chargers, joining us. Uh, a, a big one coming up tomorrow. And, and Marty said, look, they need a lot of help tomorrow. Uh, Carroll needs to win. Southside needs to beat Snyder. And Northside somehow needs to beat Bishop Lures. If that happens, Carroll is the outright uh, champions of the SAC. But uh, as Coach Beasley said, he probably has a better chance of winning the lottery than that happening tomorrow night. But we have plenty of other scenarios to go over in terms of the SAC. When we come back, we'll do just that. And our final segment before we give way to Brett Rump and the pregame show of the PFW Mastodons. This is a Thursday edition of the High School Coaches Show on ESPN Radio 1380, 100.9 FM. 
Welcome back for the final time here on the High School Coaches Show, Thursday edition. We would call it Girls Semi-State Edition, which it is. But we don't have a single team competing in Girls Semi-State this weekend. First time since 2007, D.C., that we have not had a girls basketball team advance out of the regional round. How long? 2007. Now, our good friend Dan Vance has done some research. Because I was a sophomore he loves doing in high that. school. Were you? Yeah. I was uh, freshly graduated from college. Wow. Yeah. With not a care in the world. Um, but You're old. If you take this year, I am. If you take this year, uh, 2020, we have not had a girls team advance to semi-state. If somehow we go to where the boys do not have a single team advance out of the regional round. It will be at least since like 1951 that that has been a thing. The records only go back so far. Dan had to, you know, really, really research things. So that's going back to around Brett Rump's high, yeah, it high was, school Yeah, it was it was his days. high school junior year. He had a huge fro. Uh, it was it was crazy. He was the ladies' man of Concordia. That's right. I mean, some of the rules that they have now at Concordia wow. in terms of, of student conduct were directly a result of the years of Brett Rump at Concordia High School. True story. Get a couple drinks in him, he'll probably tell you all about it. But, uh, yeah, uh, so it's been a minute wow. since girls basketball has not had a team from the area to semi-state, even longer the boys. So hopefully that's not a scenario we have to worry about um on the uh on the boys side speaking of scenarios here we got in terms of tomorrow going into the four-way tie final week of the regular season for the sac uh brett rump will bring you all the action tomorrow from homestead homestead and carroll we also have snyder and Southside, Northside and lures lures snyder carroll homestead all tied six and two top the conference the sac is great because we try to break ties whenever possible in the sac so if you're a Carroll fan, this is what you need to happen tomorrow. You need a lot of things to go right. You need to beat Homestead at their place. Priority one. Then you need Southside to go to Snyder and beat the Panthers. And then you need a one-win Northside team to fi- somehow find a way to beat Bishop Lures. If all those things happen, Carroll wins the championship outright. Okay? If you're a Bishop Lures fan, if you win tomorrow at Northside, if Snyder beats Southside, and if Carroll beats Homestead, Bishop Lures is the outright champion of the SAC. Also, if Lures wins and Southside wins, and, and Southside beats Snyder and Carroll wins, Lures is the outright champ. So, Lures win and Carroll win, and it doesn't matter what happens in the third one. Carroll wins it outright. Okay? Snyder. You had a chance to lock it up last week against Bishop Lures. You did not. Here's what you need. First off, Northside needs to win. I don't see that happening. So you need Northside to win. You need to win. And then you have you are the outright champion. doesn't matter what Homestead or Carroll do. But you need a lot of help. You need Northside somehow to beat Bishop Lures. There's a chance that we have a three-way tie. If Bishop Lures beats Northside, Snyder beats Southside, Homestead beats Carroll, it's a three-way tie for the championship. Why? Because all the teams are one-on-one one against each other. You cannot break the tie. So Lures... Snyder, Homestead would share it. Homestead can win it outright tomorrow. If Bishop Lures beats Northside, Southside wins over Snyder, and Homestead wins. Homestead outright champion. Okay? Uh, They can also win if Northside somehow beats Lures, and then South wins over Snyder, and Homestead wins. They're the outright champion. So those are the myriad of scenarios. Just stay tuned to ESPN 1380 tomorrow. 
So wait, what was the one more time? What? How do? How could it tie? How, how could, could it be it a four way tie? tie? It cannot be a four way tie. Three-way it could be a three way tie, tie tomorrow. If Bishop Lures be- wins, they beat Snyder or beat Northside. Okay. If Snyder beats Southside, and Homestead beats Carroll, mm. in my opinion, that's the most likely scenario tomorrow, because <laughs> Lures should beat a one win Northside team. Snyder should beat a Southside team, even though South surprised Bishop Lures last week. Homestead should win tomorrow, particularly if Zach Kruger is back tomorrow, as Chris Johnson indicated is a possibility. And also with Jalen Jackson out for, it sounds like a week, maybe two, per Marty Beasley on this very show. So that feels like the most likely scenario tomorrow. But plenty of things can happen over the over the three games. We'll have the Homestead-Carroll game right here on ESPN Radio 1380-100.9 FM tomorrow with Brett Rump, 725. We'll join him out at Homestead. And next week, we'll break it all down for you on what happened in the SAC and also what happened on Selection Sunday. As, like I said at the start of the show, we crammed 10 minutes of information into two hours of a selection show uh, with the draw coming up for the sectionals at 3 o'clock on Sunday. That's going to do it for us. Let's give way to Brett Rump live from the Gates Center. After this commercial break, we'll be back next week right here at 6 o'clock. This has been the High School Coaches Show for D.C. Hendricks. I'm Justin Kenny. You've been listening to ESPN Radio 1380 and 100.9 FM. Podcasts by Federated Media. Podcasts by Federated Media.